Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. And I just want to refer those that are new to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There I have written a flip book that you can read for free that is very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. And you will discover that there is lots of print that is highlighted in red, which are links to YouTube videos that are very profound and amazing. That highly confirm from many fields of science and archaeology the reality of what I am sharing here. And I'm sharing about the ultimate reality. And the ultimate reality is an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love. Who is who the one true eternal God is? I'm not here to get into explaining all this. This message is for those that have found this reality. And it's for those that haven't. That's why I referred you to the website. But it is a message for those that have come to know the one true God for whom to know is life eternal. Yes, love is the very meaning and purpose for which you exist and for which all things were created and do exist. And I have a book that I've written now, and I am in the process of going through this, checking the grammar and all of that before I publish it on Amazon, which is on the afterlife. The heading will most likely be, I should say, the title. Afterlife, incredible, irrefutable. It's very in-depth research and has very thorough and effective answers for the hardest questions in regards to the varied experiences of people when they've been verified to have been dead and then brought back to life by medical equipment. And now it always is. Most many times people are brought back to life without any medical equipment. There's one man that was dead for seven days and came back to life. But I'm not here to get into that right now. I just want to share with you about this love. This love is a quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love is so integral and pure that it is like a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to it. This is the defensive aspect of God's being of love, which is the holiness of God. It is the very opposite of corruption. It is the destroyer of corruption that ensures that there can be everlasting good that can ever enlarge without corruption. Obviously, corruption destroys what is good. This love is so pure. It is holy, pure love. The word truth in dictionaries is defined basically as that which is real or reality. And if you look up the word reality, it means that which is fixed, immovable, unshakable, 
indestructible. This being of love that I am describing is that foundation that is behind everything that exists. The word Yahweh in the Old Testament basically means the ultimate reality, the I am that I am, that is separate above and beyond creation. It is the most sacred name for the Almighty or for God used in the Old Testament. Whenever in the King James Bible you see the word Lord, almost always it is in the original, the word Yahweh. And the word God is the word Elohim, which means the Almighty's plural, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, I'll get into sharing these things, but I just wanted to share that a bit for those that are new. And this love, what's amazing is this love is so great that God could take judgment upon himself for us. And he suffered more than you, a mere creature, and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature. On the cross, yes, God came into this world in Jesus Christ. He is that great that he can actually communicate with his creation and not only communicate with them, his love is so great that he could take judgment upon himself. That's how much he loved you so that you could receive forgiveness if you repent and receive his mercy. So I don't want it to go too long explaining this, but there is no love that is greater than a love that I've just described. The negative aspect, which is not really negative, is the first aspect, the integral purity of this love. It requires judgment. It will not tolerate what is corrupt. And from that springs the ultimate manifestation of that perfection of love and that God took the judgment upon himself for you so that you could choose to repent and be reconciled to God. This is the ultimate trustworthiness that could only be worthy of containing unlimited power and life and authority without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way and thus obviously indicates to be as such the very source that could only be who Almighty God is. A God that is less than this love is not the one true eternal God. And the other aspect of God is that he must be in three personages to be almighty because he must be able to rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence as the father above and beyond creation. That's the first aspect. The second is in creation as the son. The father is the full expression of the son as described in Hebrews 1.3. He is fully expressed in the creation in Jesus Christ, his only son. And the third aspect is omnipresence, filling all aspects of creation and time and dimensions of time within the creation realm and beyond with God the Father. And so you have God ruling. He must be in conscious intelligence to rule in those three ultimate aspects of existence simultaneously, thus in three personages as the Father, meaning originator above and beyond knowing and seeing the end from the beginning of all things, where it is beyond time. The Son fully expressed into the time and space realm, into the creation realm, and the Holy Spirit in omnipresence, attached with creative power, 
that can raise the dead or do anything in omnipresence. Holding all things together by his presence. And now they discover the God particle in 2012 with the big Hadron Collider in Geneva, Switzerland there. And they discover the God particle, which is what they know is behind everything and that causes everything to have form and mass and that causes all the different clusters of energy that form all things that exist in all dimensions. And the third dimension is a very inferior dimension compared to the, all the other dimensions going up to the 10th. Anyhow, I'm not here to get into all of those things. I got into it a bit more this time, but I want to share with you that this message is for those that have come to the saving knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. And I seek to speak these messages to the churches as the word of God commands us to, which says in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so that is what I will seek to do. To allow God to speak through me today by his spirit, out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. And how is this so? Well, it says in Revelations 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, Speaking as the oracles of God or speaking prophetically comes out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. So I will seek to speak this message out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. When you worship God in spirit and in truth out of great humility and reverence and love for God, you are filled with his spirit and an overflow beyond yourselves that results in creative utterances, whether it comes forth in a prayer, in a song or a testimony or whatever way it is God speaking what he is speaking through you prophetically and so on. And so I want to share with you that this week is the week of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the one feast that the Jewish Orthodox Jews and the Jewish people know God has commanded the Gentiles also to celebrate and is for all the world to celebrate. Of course, we celebrate Passover and so on, but the Feast of Tabernacles is the most significant because it is expressing God's ultimate purpose, his consummate purpose for which he created all things, which is that he might have a corporate bride to be married to and to inhabit in marriage or his living stones being brought together as an habitation of God through the Spirit as it is described in the New Testament. And so this is the Feast of Tabernacles, which represents God dwelling among men. And of course, the Jewish people build those booths and they live in them outdoors and they're not supposed to have a roof so that you can see the stars and so on. And of course, I explained in the last message that that represents how we are to have our hearts never become insular and enclosed into our own little world, but to always break our hearts open to have vision, to see beyond ourselves the glory of God's kingdom and that our journey is a pilgrimage. And so today I want to share with you that one of the things I do to 
facilitates speaking as the oracles of God is to cast lots on the scripture with two independent applications so that I get the possibility of any two chapters. And when you do that with great reverence and love towards God, God always does speak that way and there's a theme that comes out. And so I want to share those two passages today. I had a rather long introduction and I got to quit doing that actually and just get straight into messages to the churches. So I'm going to start changing that. Um, but I also cast lots to get a song from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns. Many have come from the underground church in China under the work of Watchman Nee, who was martyred in 1972, which are very beautiful songs with very deep meaning in the words and beautiful tunes. And there's many from throughout church history there as well. So this one is just one of those many songs. There, almost every time I choose these songs, they have to be always songs that I can put on my website at loverealize.com where there's a whole bunch of them there. And they all must have the words up there so that you can use a YouTube video with a projector. So to start a church, you can have all the songs with really depth of meaning and the words and beautiful music to worship with. And so today is not one of the more really great songs, but it is a good song. And it does have real meaning and depth in the words. And so this is the one I received today by the casting of Lot. And we'll just play that song now before God. And it is also on the playlist and on my site there at loverealize.com. Here we Lord Jesus, I long in thy presence to live. From morning to evening, my one world thou art. Oh, let not my heart be contented or rest. When Thou wilt be near each morning. 
That is indeed an appropriate and a wonderful song for the message that God is giving today by his spirit on October the 10th, Monday of 2022. I receive today by the casting of Lot before Yahweh the Almighty's Psalms 42 and Genesis 43. And really, this is about our pilgrimage, which is really what Sukkot is also about. When you build that booth and you're exposed to the elements, that we are not to be those that become comfortable in our own lives and in the things of this world, but to be those that are pilgrims, pil pilgrims who are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That is where our destiny is. We are not motivated to make our destiny in this world and to be consuming our lives on our own pleasures and comforts. And in that song, it said something that 
I realized I hadn't been fully doing in my life. It said, may I never seek my own pleasures. How often in temptation have I sought my own pleasures just in the imagination of my heart. But to come to that place where we know such a completeness and a fullness of the Spirit of God within our lives that takes away that destructive tendency to grasp. It has that principle that's like a black hole in outer space that sucks everything in in a destructive way in our lives. I could make a bit of a humorous comment on that. People use, you know, the terrible, you know, terms. It's so easy to use so-and-so hole. (laughs) Well, what about black hole in outer space? Okay. Anyhow, I want to read some of the verses from Psalm 42 first. And then Genesis 43 is about Joseph confronting his brothers and his sisters not his sisters, pardon me, my mistake. There was no sisters in that. His brothers that sent him into slavery into Egypt. Every time I read that passage in Genesis, I break into tears because it's such an amazing and moving thing. But first of all, let us read Psalm 42. To the chief musician, Miscale, the sons of Korah. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Oh, our brother, the psalmist David, always had a hunger and a thirst for God. Because he wasn't quenching that thirst with the loves of the world because he was a man that sought God. Yes, he had his faults. He had his deceptions. But he had that heart that was hungry for God. The same was the case with Jacob. Jacob is even called basically deceiver. It means literally he will take by the heel. But he was one that highly valued the things that were eternal, that were of lasting worth his relationship with God. But boy, did he have to go through the trials and his journey of life. And Jacob was the one that was bereaved of Joseph, which is what Genesis 43 is about, is Pharaoh, the second one in command, the second one in command to Pharaoh of Egypt. And there they are before him not knowing it was their brother Joseph that they were planning to kill and ended up selling as a slave. We go on and we read in Psalm 42, 7 to 8, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts, which actually means water falls. What is that saying? It is saying that all the noise that I am hearing in my life, which are threats, 
that everything's going to go wrong in my life, that are impending trials, that cause dread and oppression, people that are cursing me, people that are saying they're going to do this and that to me, or whatever the trial is. It causes me to have a depth that comes out of my being, that calls out and reflects with the deepest thoughts echoing against one another and weighing out my motives before God. And it also causes me from the depths to call out unto God because it is an effect that is almost overwhelming. And he talks about the waters overwhelming him, which speaks of being brought to a place of total helplessness in our trials. But when we have a relationship with God, we can call out onto him from the depths of our being as those echoes begin to echo within our being as to why God is allowing this and what is he doing in my heart. And yes, it even says of Mary as she stood before the Lord when he was being crucified, that a sword would pierce thine own soul, that the thoughts of many would be revealed. Yes, the motives of the heart are revealed through trials and the things that are not of God come to the surface like the gold that is tried in the fire and the dross comes to the surface. And when it does, the enemy accuses us and says, that's who you are so that he tries to put our identity in to that which is destructive instead of into that which God is doing in our lives. But when we cry out to God and we say, be merciful to me and forgive me for these evil motives that I've had, I see them for what they are now and I cast them off with abhorrence because I see them for the ugliness and the corruptness that they are. And so we are rechanged and we are refined from glory to glory. And so we go on to read here, All thy waves and thy bills are gone over me, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. You see, we can still have communion with God through the greatest trials. And when we do have communion with God, he will command his loving kindness to be in our lives. And that loving kindness will deliver us from bitterness. It will deliver us from being conformed to the lies that the enemy wants us to be conformed to. We go on and we read in verse 11, skipping down to verse 11. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. When you are cast down, and listen, we all experience spiritual warfare. We experience times when we can not even feel God's presence. It seems like God's forsaken us. He puts us through times of trial. But he often comforts us in the trials. In fact, it talks about that in Corinthians. The consolation that we can experience of the presence and the fellowship of his sufferings in our lives. Yes, an intimate fellowship with God in the midst of trials and tribulations. It was such with Brother Young, the heavenly man. 
that he would rather be in the prison being tortured with his brothers and sisters, where there's such liberty in their inner being and fellowship and joy with God than having being in a place where there's a lukewarm church where people are in bondage to the material things of this world. And there's no love and there's no liberty. And here he experienced the greatest liberty in the greatest confinement, a prison where they tortured them. Not that he wanted the torture. Not that anyone would want that. Yes, we question ourselves. Why am I feeling this way? Well, you're under a spiritual attack. Why am I feeling disturbed within me? Well, what you do is you just hope in God and you praise him. Because when you do, he becomes the health. He begins to put the health in your countenance and the joy. Because his countenance begins to shine on you. And when his smile shines on you, his blessing and grace is there in the midst of whatever trial you're going through, which is what was described basically in this song that we saw. And so we have Genesis 45, 3 to 8, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth thy father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him because they just thought he just, we just thought he was going to make us his prisoners. For they were troubled at his presence, and Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt, and now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Of course, he wept bitterly when he revealed himself to his brothers. He was broken in his heart and so were they. And so there was much weeping with tears of joy and relief that God showed mercy unto these that tried to murder their brother and sell him as a slave. Judah was brought to the place where he was willing to suffer in place of Benjamin, the youngest, which took the place of Joseph, the youngest. It says concerning Joseph, until his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. And it was true with Jacob. Can you imagine the journey of Jacob? He works years and years in sweat and toil and is deceived many times by Laban to get his wives. And then now he has to face Esau and he feels like his wives are going to be lost. They're going to be all slaughtered. And God shows mercy to him. You see how, again, it says of Joseph that he saw the face of God and that angel that he rests with was the Lord. It was Jesus Christ. It was totally God in the flesh. He appeared later on to Jacob too. Just like he did to Abraham. 
in a theophany. In fact, in Genesis 18 there, those three angels, one of them Abraham dresses as the Lord and they all eat a meal together. But Jacob, he lost Rebekah that was so precious to him. I think quite early on before all of this happened with Joseph. That was hard. Losing the, not Rebecca, pardon me, Rachel, my mistake. Rachel, the one he loved so much, he lost. And then now here he loses his first, his the love of his life, his son, Joseph. And he grieves all those years with tears and weeping, saying, God, I don't understand. I don't understand, but I still praise you. I still thank you. I still have your presence. I'm still trusting in you. What did Joseph do when he realized that his brothers were so evil to do what they, he did to them? He must have wept bitterly for a long time too. And then he obeys God and he ends up being thrown into a worse trial. But the greater the trial, the greater the resurrection was the case in Joseph's. He was exalted to the position of being the one next to Pharaoh and a great deliverer to fulfill God's purpose. And we are on a journey, and that journey is to God's ultimate purpose, which he has for the last days, which is to bring forth his corporate bride throughout all the earth and fulfill John 17. And we are being put through times where we experience barrenness and trials because we're his children. He chastens us. And it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him from them all. Why? Because in the trials, we learn not to be overwhelmed by them. Though ye be in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trying of your faith may bring forth much goodness in your lives. Yeah, you might be in heaviness at times. Like the psalmist describes here, being attacked with oppression and heaviness, but you learn in it all to worship God and to be victorious and to overcome temptation too. God is merciful to those that will come to him with a heart that is genuinely repentant in the trials. If they become overwhelmed and fall short. So God is calling his people in this hour to wake up out of their sleep because he wants to bring forth his bride church, his fearless conquering army in the last days. And the typical church is far cry from what God is wanting. And when we see the trials that are going on around us, and if you're not listening to genuine news and just to the lying media, that's been infiltrated by the, for the last 30 years, including all major um, influences of society, educational system, all the big companies and the banks, by the Chinese Communist Party and by the global elites that all are God-haters. If you don't know what's going on, you better go to my website, either at ultimatemeaning.com or loverealize.com, where I have links on the homepage to very good news sources so you know what's going on. We are living in a time of serious trial as never before. And the church better wake up and not be asleep. And they haven't woken up yet. But I'm praying that there'll be a mighty awakening. 
and the people would begin to gather together and to come and to fast and to pray and to seek his face in each community, each city. And that we will never go back to being the church the way it was. We will become his house of prayer and holiness. Oh, we're so used to just starting with songs and all that. Why don't we just start as being a prayer meeting on our faces in awe before God and become his house of prayer? And out of that great reverence and humility and worship, let songs of praise arise and the gifts of the Spirit and the body function and be facilitated. And then the pastor can speak after his word has been already confirmed by what people have spoken. God is wanting his people to wake up and one of the things that's really lacking in the body of Christ is everyone's so passive, so used to letting everyone at the stage do everything, and they're not moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Each member should be coming and given full opportunity without permission to go up to the mic and say anything, to spontaneously speak forth out of the Spirit a song or a word or a testimony or a prayer or however it comes forth. And that makes a beautiful smorgasbord that makes the message from those in leadership all the more rich and powerful and highly confirmed. And I've seen it happen in a church I used to attend that was very rare. And I still visit them once in a while and love them all very much. God is calling us in these days to wake up. He wants in conquering Bride Church to conquer the nations, to conquer Canada, to conquer United States. And it's when the church repents and becomes his house of prayer that's going to happen and his house of holiness. And I've written a book on it called God, Headship and Body Invasion, which you can purchase on Amazon, which just gives a lot of suggestions of what you can do to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. So thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.